G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Keeper League podcast. We're the AFL fantasy podcast that doesn't talk about the superstars. We only talk about the lesser knowns and the players that are going to bring value to your draft and Keeper League teams. I'm your host Hef and today I am joined by Callum Stone who is the founder and CEO of Game Day Squad. How you going mate? Yeah mate, doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Nah, it's exciting to have you on, mate, because uh, really, before we get started, I want to touch on Game Day Squad, and I want you to kind of let listeners know what Game Day Squad is. Yeah, of course. Game Day Squad, brand new way to play fantasy sports. So we're actually an Australian startup. We started a couple of years ago, and we launched uh, our first season last year. We've got Aussie Rules and a rugby league game, and yeah, we're really excited with um, being able to introduce a new way to play fantasy. So how we're a little bit different is we use player cards, very similar to if you've played FIFA Ultimate Team and things like that before, where the cards you actually collect year on year and there's one big keeper league and you compete just like you do in um, like your classic mode as well. So it's a little bit of a blend of your classic or as well as keeper league. So Yeah, well, a little bit of a humble brag here. I finished ninth in the cap league cap league last year um, out of a whopping, I think, 200 or so players. I reckon it was maybe 300. What was the, What were the numbers last year? Oh, I think in the footy and Aussie rules, we got up to about 400 in the end. 400, so, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not too bad. Nine you did out of pretty well. Take that. But we're expecting a big year of the year this year. Like <laughs> we said, last year was our, our startup year. We only got going halfway through the year. So if you're doing that by the end of this year, then that's definitely something to brag about. What I, what I love about Game Day Squad is um, every kind of card that you get is unique. Like I know there's multiples and duplicates out there, but the one that you own is technically your card and there's a finite number of cards out there because there's different levels of cards as well. There's um, You get some that go do 1.5 multipliers, 1.4 multipliers um, and things like that. So lesser ranked cards can actually become more valuable, but those cards are also unique. I liken it to my group chat and Kay's especially has likened it to uh, Pokemon cards and he yeah, actually talks I- about um, the shiny Charizard or like the shiny cards that are out there, there's a few rare ones that you can collect and they're pretty hard to find and uh, they'll get you more fantasy points. So it's a bloody unique way to play. I'm so stoked to see the development of this game because, um, yeah, uh, many a lot of people know that um, Cam from the Draft Doctors and I, we are obsessed with FIFA Ultimate Team and it's basically an AFL fantasy version of that. So it's, um, yeah, very, very exciting what's going on there. But uh, look, we'll get stuck into the show, but today we're talking about Port Adelaide. I've got a Queenslander. You're a Queensland man and you're a Port Adelaide supporter. How did that come about? Yeah, so I was actually born in Carlton which and I had a couple of parents who were diehard Carlton supporters, which makes it even harder <laughs> to understand how I got here. But the short answer is when I was young, I liked the colours and Port was pretty good in the early 2000s. So yep. I fell in love and stuck with it ever since. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, no, it's good to see a convert uh, convert from um, Queensland and uh, yeah, I don't know how many Queensland supporters you've actually got, but uh, nah, no. No, I... I'm not exaggerating when I say you're the only other Port fan in my life that I get to talk to about Port. So, yeah, I'm really excited for this. Uh, well, anytime you're down Adelaide, mate, I'll take you to a game. I've got a spare ticket for that. Um, yeah, let us know if you want to come down and check it out. But, uh, yeah, we'll get stuck into it. But uh, Port Adelaide, I guess it was a terrible year for Port Adelaide fans. Pretty good for fantasy, though. Um, just uh, talk us through what your thoughts on last season were and what you think might be on the cards for this season. Well, it started with the 21 prelim, which was just an absolute mess. So then I spent the whole summer trying to talk myself back into to footy and then to have the season over by round four was just awful. But there were a few positives to take from it last year from a fantasy point of view. It was awesome the way that Rosie broke out in the end and really sort of lived up to what we thought and as well as seeing Toddy Marshall up forward completely turn around from, you know, I did a full 180 on him as a player. 
Um, so maybe he's not fantasy relevant, but if he keeps kicking a few goals, then maybe one day. But yeah, there's a few things to get us excited for this year, and we've obviously done well in the off season and brought in a couple of new names that I'm quite excited about. But yeah, Hinkley Ball version 11. I'm keen to see, I'm keen to see what that looks like this year because yeah, I reckon this might be his last go at it. So. Yeah, will this be the one that finally delivers a flag or I don't know, we'll probably end up signing up for the next five years. Doesn't matter what he does, he'll probably finish 14th <laughs> and still get a contract. But look, I'm not going to get salty about that today, um, even though I would like a new coach at some stage that has some new ideas. But uh, look, there's talk we're going to play faster this year, um, a lot like the other clubs that actually were successful last year. So that might mean less possession, more direct play, might have an impact on fantasy this year. So those out there who expect Port Adelaide to be a super fantasy relevant team like usual um, might be a bit disappointed this this year but regardless we're going to get stuck into some players nonetheless um this year we're talking about undervalued players breakout contenders and stash options so they should be pretty self-explanatory right now but the first undervalued player i've got is travis boak and he averaged 95 last year technically 2g4p so people probably ask hef why is he undervalued it's the age factor in a keeper league. Um, the, these kind of players really dip in your early draft rankings and stuff like that because they're going to retire retire probably at the end of the year. But I think there's some value there. Um, what are your thoughts on Boak this season? What role do you see him playing? All that sort of stuff. Yeah, he he's one where for as long as I've played fantasy, he's just been Mr. Reliable. You know what you're getting from him and he's yep. just always been so solid. And to be honest, this is the first year I actually haven't felt too confident about him. And I think it is because of that uncertainty about his role. He has been training with the forwards, but I've just never loved him as a forward at any point in his career when he has gone there. So he's just won the time trial, which shows he's still got it. He's still running around at port. He can play the midfield time. But if you look at even at how he went last year, it was sort of a tale of two seasons. He started really hot, averaged 105 before the buys. And then after that was going at about 90, still at the same sort of 50% CBA. So yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure about him. I think I think you were sort of saying before, is he someone that potentially you could trade to or get a bit of value there? But I think if you were doing that, it's somewhat, you're doing that thinking that maybe he does get that forward status and can pump out 85s for you as a forward, but not not going after him as someone that can score 95 as a midfield for you. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. Like I don't love him playing as a forward and that's where he I think he's going to spend a lot of time to make room for some of the younger than midfielders. But that said, like if he plays enough to get there, gets that forward status, few injuries in the midfield or a few rotations or rests needed, could be the right type of player sitting in your forward line that could go 80, 90 come finals time and still be handy for you. So, yeah, I reckon I'm just going to I'm going to try to target him a bit later in any startup drafts I'm doing and things like that. But I think I think there is like a prospect he gets forward status there. So I'm kind of higher on him than his kind of age suggests than most keeper league um, coaches out there. Um, We'll move on to another undervalued player. Um, Riley Bonner um, had a great first half of the year. Average 79, I think it was, very close to 80, but then found himself out of the side. Um, You know, there's obviously disposal issues there, defensive issues, all that sort of stuff. But he's been training on the wing this preseason. Looks like he'll play there this year if he gets a game. Uh, He's listed as a defender. Do you reckon there's any hope there for Bonner? No, unfortunately, the short answer for me is no. Um, I think he very much is the backup plan on the wing, and he was the name floated around in that Horn Francis deal where Port sounded like they were pretty open to sort of letting him go and um, you know, didn't have to put him in the deal in the end. So I think the upside is maybe he squeezes into a role and, on that wing and he becomes you know the new Amon in a contract year and then has a good year and disappears. But what I think is more realistic is that he actually takes out our crown for the most um, appearances as the sub. So 
yeah, not someone that I'm actually going to be looking for this year. Yeah, we'll be talking about wing, the wingers or the wing prospects for that Carl Amon wing um, later on in the breakout contenders. But yeah, I think he's down the pecking order there as well. There's defenders that we'll also talk about that have kind of overtaken him. So um, yeah, I, I honestly just can't see him in the side unless the kind of new game plan like lends itself to him. But I still think you need to be very defensive in this kind of fast-paced kind of play as well because it opens you up too much if you're not. So yeah, I think he's going to struggle to be honest. But yeah, he's one worth drafting late just in case he does pop into the side because he can score pretty well when he's in there. So maybe a good bench option to have. Would you agree? He'd be some. Yeah, he'd be someone I'd be having a, like a close look at during the trial matches just to see how he does go. Because while I don't think he's going to be starting on a wing for us, he, we'll talk about it in, in a moment, I'm sure. But he could very easily take one of those spots and get himself some game time. So yeah, people I reckon will be overlooking him in drafts just because you know they're not expecting him to get any of that time to start with. Uh, we'll move on to Scott Lysett next. Um, shocking year with injury last year. I think it was injured in round three or four um, with the shoulder and then basically didn't return. So he's averaged 80 in the past. Do you think he bounces back? Yeah, I, I think he's had a whole year now to, to recover because like you said, round four since we last saw him. And he there are a few sort of young Ruckman at Port, but there's no one really pushing, you know, knocking on the door to get get his spot there. So I like him as like an undervalued Ruckman, maybe in like a classic, but. I, I just don't see him being a great sort of keeper league ruckman here because I, I have him about ninth in my, my rankings. And the reason I kind of have him there, even though I think he'll bounce back, is he just doesn't play full seasons. I yeah. think in his 12 years, he's only gone over 18 games four times. So yeah. he is someone that doesn't have that high ceiling, but he's also that risk that he might not play. So, yeah, I, I'd love to see him back around that 80, 85, but, I'd, yeah, I wouldn't be doing it with too much confidence. I think one of those seasons was a six-week suspension in there as well, five-week suspension or something. So, um, yeah, maybe, I don't know, would have been more reliable if he didn't go belt someone. But, uh, yeah, we can't really trust him <laughs> to do that either. But, um, look, he's my Ruckman in my Keeper League side. And when you say he's ninth, like if you're playing in a 10-team league, he's going to be drafted. But I think he yeah. can probably push that 80 mark where a lot of Rucks might battle or, you know, that's around the mainstay. My, my main thinking is really just like if you miss one of those top tier rucks in your drafts, don't go early on someone like Lysett or sorry, wait until kind of you're at the right stage where you can take someone like Lysett and he should get you around that 80 mark if everything goes to plan. So yeah, um, he's just one that I think is a bit value you'll find later on um, as opposed to yeah your high end Ruckmans that you might not get early in the draft. That's all. And someone else and someone else I'd be looking at for the preseason games just with the game style. So if the ball is moving a lot quicker, there's a few more stoppages, could be something for him. Um, but yeah, wait and see how um, how that looks like. Do you think there's a genuine backup ruck or did Port play two rucks? I know we saw Brent Tickle, um, Hinkley was pretty keen to get him to the side um, last year. Or do you think it's more just going to be a Finlayson chop out type thing? Yeah, so I was thinking it was going to be Finlayson. And then I've seen yesterday, I think he's actually just gone down. Was he injured with, with something as yeah, well? Okay. So, and, and then obviously Dixon can go in there as well. So my, my gut feel is we start with him as the sole ruck. Um, but then depending how the forwards are, are looking, maybe Tickle comes into the side. Because I, I did like Tickle. It was the one game I got yeah. to actually see. Uh, I was actually down in Adelaide for that. He looked really good and then what did his collarbone or something yep. halfway through it. So, yeah, I'd love to see what he looks like. But, yeah, I think I think he's a safe bet to be the clear number one ruck for, for the year. And that's what I, that's what I kind of like about him because if you look around the grounds and at the clubs, not many have like a clear number one ruck really. Even like, you know, Melbourne, you know, you're going to have two superstars in one side. Fremantle, you're going to have two stars in one side um yeah there's going to be a lot of ruckman out there that kind of counter each other so i think he's a more tantalizing prospect because of that um sam power pepper is the next one he just 
came into his own last year. Um, you know, mostly forward, but still scored pretty well. He averaged 77 and only, you know, had 3% of the CBAs for the season. So most of the time when you take a midfield midfield out of the midfield, you expect the scoring to dip, um, not rise. But what, what's your thoughts on Sam Pepper? Does he just go the same this year and be a handy contributor? Can he take a leap? What do you think? I'm going to sound like a real pessimistic Port fan here. I've, st- I've started off being pretty negative with everyone. I, I promise <laughs> you, I've got players in the, in the team I do like. And last year was terrific, but I actually think this is a chance to potentially sell high on him. So one of the things last year, he didn't attend a lot of CBAs. He was at well, like 3% yeah, for the whole year. Yeah, was. But what he was actually doing is he spent a lot of time pinch hitting in the ruck around the ground because we just didn't have a ruckman. So I think it can be a little bit misleading where people where he actually was in the middle of fair amount. And I just don't see that happening this year with the additions of Horn Francis and getting a few people back around that sort of mid-forward role. I just don't see him getting any time in the midfield. So averaging that 70 and, you know, he did score 24 goals last year, which, you know, broke his season record. And I think that's where the value is going to be from him this year. If Port are actually successful and he does sort of bring that up to, to 30 goals a year, then potentially. But I think he's going to see, yeah, less of the footy. And as a result of that, I would, um, I, yeah, if I had him, I'd be trying to see if I could flip him. Yeah, not a bad option to try to sell high. But as a forward option where options are going to be scarce this year, I don't think the kind of 75-ish average is out of the question for him. So he's one um, you might want to think about just picking up to kind of pad out your forward line if you're really battling for depth there. Um, we'll move out on to some uh, breakout contenders now. So um, oh, the first one we've got to talk about is Zach Butters. Is it finally his year, do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he still had him on the on the breakout here. I thought he was really good last year, you know, particularly in a, a thin forward comp. But I, I do think this is the year where he, you know, doesn't go here because he's been a bit of a tease for, for a while. But I think he's our best clearance player and I want him around the football when he's healthy and gets a run of it because he has had, you know, injuries that have sort of stalled him at different points. But I really think he's, by the end of the year, he's going to become a forward one. And the question is, can he keep hitting that scoreboard like he did towards the end of the last year? I think he scored, what, 70% of his goals in the last four rounds. So, yeah. And he pumped out 400. So if we get that, um, Zach Butters, then yeah, absolutely, this will this will be his year. Yeah, I think like listed as a forward, he should be too good for the podcast. But uh, it's more so like he's probably going to be a mid only in the future. So well, what do you think? What Do you, th- do you think he's still going to have that mid forward split or what do you reckon? It, it's a tough one because I, I really like, I, I do see him sort of, there's so many players in port that could, you know, you can't have everyone as mid only. There's going to be a few that like for the next couple of years, while everything's settling out, it's going to be, is he mid forward? Is he mid? Is he that? But I just think he's the best clearance player in the club at the moment. So I want him around the ground, but I also love him at half forward. So I actually see him holding on to it for a little bit longer and potentially for a couple more years, whereas someone like Rosie I think this will be like the last year with him and maybe even Horn Francis. So, yeah. All right. We'll move on to the next one because, yeah, Zach Butters, I don't know. Not many people are going to be giving him up if they got him in a keeper league and being drafted. I think he's going to no. go pretty early as a forward. So, we'll move on because that's pretty self explanatory. Um, let's not talk about a player. Let's talk about, I guess, a topic. And that's the Carl Amon wing. Um, who's going to take it off of him? Uh, can Miles Bergman or Xavier Dersmar, can they be either players that are breakout? Or they're pretty similar players, I guess. But or do you have another player in mind who receives the biggest bump from Amon um, leaving? For me, yeah, this is great. I love that we've paired these two together. But for me, it's Dersma. I think the upside of him. I think Port will want him to be the guy that that takes that role. Um, and I think he's shown in the past that he can own that wing. His first year at the club was terrific. Yeah. And he just hasn't had the run 
you know, he's been unlucky, unlucky, unlucky with injuries and a few different things. So Form, I think yeah. the upside for him is there. Um, my concern with him is starting to become concussions. I know he's already had a couple of big knocks in his career. I think a couple of days ago, he's just, you know, there was another one there. So he's only 22 and it's what his second, third time he's, he's um, had a concussion scare. So I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned about that. So, yeah. But I still think the upside with him, and while I like Miles, I still think I'm treating this kind of like as his second year. Um, so maybe next year might be a bit more of a breakout for him, whereas I think he has a solid year, but, you know, he isn't quite to the level of Dersma this year. Now, have you seen the preseason pitches of Miles um, Bergman's pipes? That's the big thing. Yes, I have. Okay, so I have. And that doesn't sway yeah. anything? No, no, I want to see in the legs on the wing, on the wing. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it is looking impressive. I, I do like him. I just think, yeah, the upside um, in someone in, in Dersma is someone that you probably prefer at, at this stage. So Dersma is a player. When you look at him, you think he's got more of a fantasy game. Um, you know, more of an accumulator. But again, let's see what the game plan delivers. Um, Bergman sometimes I think might be a quality over quantity type. Um, I think both kind of play on the wings. Either like side, I think they're the, our main two guys going forward. So um, yeah, it just kind of remains to be seen who's going to be the fantasy scorer out of the two because most clubs don't really have two big fantasy scoring, scoring wings. wings. That's the thing. So yeah, and, and actually, yeah, I have them both lining up there, and then talking about um, um, sorry, talking about Bonner before, I can easily see him if one of these guys drop a bit of form, he's the first person in for them, and I'm just a little bit more concerned that maybe Bergman doesn't have has more of the ups and downs than um Dersma. So yeah, that's why I'm again a little bit more confident on Dersma. Yeah, you're right. Dersma just needs a good run at things. Like he's, I oh know, he broken his collarbone like twice, hasn't he? Or you know, broken it once and then suffered some sort of setback with it, and uh, yeah, the head knocks and things like that. So if he gets a decent bit of luck and can get a run without getting injured, and missing time. Should be okay. Um, a big name this offseason that not many people are really talking about, uh, and that's Kane Farrell. So, Kane Farrell, Farrell, Farrell. I don't even know how to say it. Farrell, but, uh, I'm always mixing it up. <laughs> Farrell, Farrell. Yeah, I've yeah, heard it Farrell, all. Farrell Williams, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, look, the talk is, and it happened at the end of last year, is um, he shifted to halfback. The talk is he'll keep going. For me, he's the perfect player to play that kind of halfback distributor role. Um, can you see a breakout this year? Yeah, I love this and I absolutely can see it. I'm so high on him. He's got the best kick in the team by a mile and I think he's up there with one of the best kicks in the comp. So to put him on that halfback flank and say, mate, we want you kicking it 15, 20 times a year, 20 times a game is just, yeah, music to, to fantasy years. And yeah, he did come back last year from that ACL, but ACLs are typically, what, a two-year injury? Yeah. So to see him now have another full preseason, he had the taste last year, looked really good. And the other thing as well that I've been noticing is People, I was going through the, the draft kit of our friends, the draft doctors, yep. and none of them had him in the top 70 defenders. Yeah. Crazy. And I think this guy I think this guy could be up there with Burton, Burton putting out 80s as a, as a D4. So it could, be, it could be the fact that he's a mid only in fantasy. Ah, uh, is he? So, yeah, oh, so there we, but he will be at the end of the season, I reckon. So, yeah. Right, right. I think we might have that a little bit different on GDS. So okay. maybe that's a Perfect. that's a that's a mix up there. No, that's maybe good. I'm Let's keep it. looking Let's at keep the wrong it notes. So yeah, well, there you go. Okay, AFL fantasy completely understand. Yeah. I would be looking to stash him then. Um, yeah, if he is going to go to halfback, because like I said, I I can see him having the sort of impact that a rich or someone like that would just the, the boom off halfback could be really really good. And like I said, only twenty three, so. He's still got plenty of time back there. Yeah, no, nah, like he, he looks where he's going to play. And like, yeah, you guys do your positions the way you do it. That's fine because I think that's um actually like where he's going to play. So it's probably more realistic uh, this season to have him there anyway. So yeah, good option in game day squad, definitely. Um, If you can pick up I was that card say, nice let, and cheap. Let, 
I'm going to have to fact check that as well because I'm not sure if I've just misread that or if I've, I've pulled it from somewhere. So, no, oh, good. Yeah, it's um, fingers yeah. crossed. He had. I have. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to kind of think him as a halfback flanker the way he finished off the season last year, anyway. So, um, and it's where he's been training all preseason. So, yeah, it's where it's going to happen. And yeah, I think like I reckon there's a genuine chance of taking quite a few kick-ins and stuff like that because that leg is absolute dynamite. We've seen him like smack goals in from outside fifty, you know, running off the wings and uses that sort of weapon. But it's I know Dossie was saying all year last year. I want to see this guy off the half black back. I want to see this guy with heart back. And it happened and it was 100% correct. So, yeah, I really think he could even be like the kind of, you know, almost like a Daniel Rich type booming leg out of defense type thing used in the kick-ins and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, we'll save the best breakout contender till last. Now, we've I think we're about 20 minutes into this show. Try to keep this one short, sharp and shiny because I know you could talk about this guy for about half an hour on its own. And that's Jason Horn Francis. Come on, what's going to happen this year? What's going to happen? Oh, geez. Uh, I, I, I could talk about him for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> the truth is I'm not, I'm not sure how he's going to go this year. And I think until we sort of see it in preseason and see what the role looks like, I think we'd just be guessing. So I'm, I might throw to you to, to have a think about how he looks like for this year. I just wanted to say I'm so high on this guy long term. I think people have so quickly forgotten how talented he was, averaging 75 in the sandful, which is you know as an 17, 18-year-old, which is above what even Rosie was doing when he was – before he got drafted. You now put him in a situation where he's got someone like Travis Boak and Ollie Wines to look up to. So who was the equivalent of that he had in North? I have no idea. Yeah. And he's also got, in Rosie and Butters, he's got peers that he can actually aim for, which again, who did he have like that in North? Yeah. I don't think he did. LDU, so. Simkin, I guess, a little bit, but um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I just, extent. yeah. Yeah, so I just think he's in the, the right spot. If he turns out in twelve months to be a flog, then I'll take it all back. But <laughs> I'm gonna bet I'm gonna bet on the talent that we saw coming out twelve months ago and just completely right off the year and think he's as high as anyone um going forward for me in a keeper league. But which doesn't answer your question for, for this year. But yeah, like I said, I'll throw it to you to, to comment on that. Yeah, I think like by all reports he's gonna be like spending a fair bit of time in the midfield. I think that kind of increases less forward time like we probably initially thought. Um, so if that happens, his head's in the right spot. I'm not going to get carried away, but like I, I think we'll definitely see progression on last year. So if he goes, everything goes to plan, I think an 80 plus, you know, about an 80 kind of average was what we would be aiming for him. And I'm really hoping that's going to be the case because lifted as a forward for this year anyway, um, he's going to be a handy option. But I think he's probably you're not going to get the big kind of scoring and stuff until maybe the following year or the year after. But I think he becomes a handy contributor um, this year. As long as he's got the head right um, and he's given the right opportunity, I think he's uh, the sky's the limit for him. So, um, yeah, I'm big on him this year. And that forward status is just a bit of a gift, I think, this year too. So, um, enjoy it while it lasts, I reckon. Um, yeah. All right. We actually got through that pretty quickly. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. I thought that would be uh, a lot longer. I've got two more pages of notes if you want me to. Maybe I'll flick, I'll flick and be after. No, no worries. I'll read through them then. Uh, no, that should be all good. Uh, all right. The stash options. Um, the one I've got is just uh, Josh Sin. So um, halfback uh, role kind of last year, but um, Port's intention was to play him uh, in the midfield, like on a wing as well. So he's another one who could actually kind of come in for that aim on spot, another one contending. Um, he's just a player that I think has got a lot of talent, but might need another year in the system. But can you see him having a good future? I can. Um, not this year, though. I think he's had another interrupted preseason where he's missed a bit of yep. time. And I think he, if, he, if he was going to be a genuine chance for this year, he needed everything to go right in the preseason and it hasn't. Um, Port moved up in the draft a couple of years ago to get him. So they yeah. obviously rate him quite highly. And the, the word is that they still do. 
But yeah, I just don't think it's uh, this year. I think stash option is a is a great um, one for him. Yeah, Ben Hobbs was the um, the player that I really wanted at this pick, and we kind of chose not to take him. We had, he was still on the board, but uh, yeah, took Sin um, at this pick. So that kind of goes to um, yeah show where he's at with Port Adelaide and how highly they rate him. So um, yeah, hopefully we can uh, see that in the future. Just yeah, probably not going to be this year. Hold on to him if you can in your keeper leagues. Um, all right, that's the end of my list. Have you got any other players you want to discuss on this show? No, we've covered all the big ones. The the one I want to keep an eye on, though, is just the Jace Bergine and Lockie Jones battle of halfback. Yep. Did one of them um, break through and, and take one of those roles? They're very much stash options if they do. But, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen glimpses of things I've liked, but then I've also seen a lot of inconsistency, which you expect at the age. But, yeah, yeah so keep an eye on how they go, particularly in the Sandful this year. Because they could be, um, yeah, they could be someone in the future. Yeah, Burgoyne in particular, I think plays a nice fantasy game. I think Jones could be used as like a defensive type um, from time to time. He's even been trailed up forward a little bit as well, which I don't really love as like that pressure kind of you know stopper on the um, on the halfback flankers and that sort of stuff. So I don't love that for him. But yeah, from what I saw of um, Burgoyne, especially, I still think there's hope for Jones. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, from what I saw from Burgoyne last year, there was a couple good, I think, scores in the 70s or one good score in the 70 where he um, yeah, played pretty well. So he's a player that I like for fantasy. Um, and if he can be a shadow of what his old man was, um, he was around the 80 mark. So um, yeah, he could be... Uh, could be that kind of type as well. All right. Uh, before we move on to the listener questions, I uh, just want to thank a few gold members. For those who don't know, um, we have a membership program on our website. Um, and if you wish to support the podcast to keep it going from week to week, um, you can sign up there and show your support. So um, I want to thank you, uh, Sean Michael, Ryan Arms, Todd Rollings, Matthew McClure, Ben Schmidt, uh, Daniel Callery, Jonathan Woods, Daniel Cottom, Nick Hunter, and Thomas Wilson. So those guys uh, get access to all of our premium resources. The most latest one that's come out is our Keeper League rankings. So I think um, we have, what do we have up at the moment? Defenders up, midfielders up, and I think it's around the time that rucks are coming out soon. So yeah, um, if you want to get your hands on those, they're up there. Also the breakout tracker, all the draft D fantasy analysis stuff, plus a lot of other bits and pieces throughout the year so check those out um Callum, you're, you're a member aren't you yeah i am yep. i am passionate member helped a lot with my uh, my research <laughs> i so. uh i love seeing uh the guests coming on here and how they use it for their kind of work and their shows so um yeah it does seem to be a pretty valuable resource for the fanny community out there so i reckon if you're not on it you're missing out so <laughs> link in the description below if you're keen to join up all right the listener questions, everyone's favorite part of the show. First one comes from uh, Warner Brothers AFL. Uh, how do you rank Rosie Butters and Jason Horn Francis in a startup? He reckons Horn Francis should be three, but there's every chance he gets more midfield time than at least Rosie this year. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I'm actually going to go Horn Francis two. So Ooh. Rosie one, Horn Francis two, Butters three. I just think like I'm I'm clearly quite high on, on the kid. Yeah. Um. I'd, yeah. So I, I'd have him there, and I feel bad actually for Dersma because he he was part of the the big three, and now he's just a name that's not even thrown in there. So for old time's sake, I'm gonna make sure Dersma gets thrown in there at four <laughs> as well. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think you can't look past Horn Francis as a number one draft pick if he lives up to that potential. Could even push past all three of them. But Rosie, what he's seen, what we've seen from him so far. Uh, he's been a pretty special player so far, the way he can kind of go forward, but then just goes into the midfield with ease and becomes an All-Australian player. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's been pretty good. So, I, I don't think we can really 
look past Rosie for that one. Um, kind of on this, um, um, a question framed around a similar mould, um, Taser87 wants to know, um, if you had to guess now, what would each player's average CBAs be at? Um, so last year was Wines was the leader, then Rosie, then Butters, then Boak, then Drew. Instead of maybe looking at the percentages like he's asked here, just who do you think attends the most centre bounces and just kind of rank them down, I guess with the inclusion of Horn Francis in there as well? Yeah, I'll, I'll lean on you for this one. Yeah, no I think it, I'm sort of thinking about it more the other way. I don't think, yeah. Sorry. That's all right. Um, for me, for me, I think Wines is probably still our main kind of bull in there. He's the kind of distributor, gets it in and under. What I, what I generally see happening, I think it's going to be pretty the same, except for Boak and Drew. I think they drop right down. Um, well, Boak does. I think he goes spends more time forward and plays kind of like defensive roles um, up there. I think behind Butters, Horn Francis and Butters are going to have a pretty even split. And I think they might even do a bit of a forward rotation as well. So for me, I think Wines is still the main one. Then Rosie after him, he just probably will need more rest and stuff because of the way he plays. Then um, Horn Francis and then I think uh, Butters kind of roll around that kind of 30% split with some time up forward as well. The one I'm really not kind of big on is Willem Drew. I think he suffers in all this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I tend to agree. it, It is... It is really hard to predict at this stage because they have so many players that could play in the midfield and you can make the case, like I was saying before, for Butters, such a great clearance player, but, you know, would you put him over there over Boak and Wines? Probably not. Yeah. I'm actually, I actually lean a little bit the other way. I don't think the Boak thing going forward works out and I think he spends a little bit more time in the in the mid. Okay. Um, it's just, and yeah, obviously there's those Robbie Gray CBAs, but I think they get split across. I don't think that there's one big, um, you know, one big person that benefits the most. I don't know if you have the numbers there, but were, Robbie Gray's dipped quite largely last year. I think he was only pretty much used when like nothing was going our way. We'd get him in there just to have a go, but it wasn't really working. So yeah, I'm not sure how much there is to take off that one. I have to double check the numbers on that. But um, yeah, look, it d- definitely does add a few for someone else to kind of pick up there as well, though. That's true. Um, we talked about the Bergman breakout from Richie uh, N96. We'll skip past that one because we already talked about it on the show, but probably not at this stage, but um, he's a good chance. That's for sure. Um yeah, at Cameron uh, four seven one with a bunch of numbers after that. Uh, rank the port defenders. Who will get the kick ins? My gut feel for the kick ins is Farrell. What do you think? Yeah, I think as well. You want to have him kicking as much as you can, and yeah, kick outs are an easy one. I think yeah, he's number one. I, yeah, I throw a blanket over the rest of them. They chop and chat. Like each week, someone goes bigger than the other. It depends on the, the way the game's being played and who's playing what roles and all that sort of stuff. So it's bit hard to rank, I think, at this stage. But, yeah, one thing I will say that Burton took a, a lion's share of the kick-in. So did Jonas last year, although I hate it when he kicks in. But, anyway, um, he does <laughs> take a few of them. So, yeah, like it's it could just be – they seem to be a team that's just whoever's closest, let's get the ball moving type thing instead of a main distributor. So that might be a thing as well, particularly if a team's planning on playing fast. It might just be get it in. Um, but, yeah, monitor over the preseason for sure. Um, we already talked about the wing role, uh, patch to the max, who isn't playing midfield at port at the moment. So I guess that's, uh, in, um, a reference to all the off season talk of who's going in there. My gut feels Willem Drew drops out. What do you think? Yeah, Drew drops out. I've always said, also said, yeah, pal pepper. Uh, I don't think he's in around the middle at all. And then yeah, Horn Francis, I would be the, the one out of the ones we've spoken to, or I'd actually say plays the least. I think they protect him a little bit more up forward to start with, yeah. but yeah, Drew, Drew is the obvious one that um that goes out. Um, at Chumbo Wam Bubba, good username. Um, starting a new keeper league this year, does Rosie go first round, and where does he rank alongside Oliver Brayshaw and Walsh? That's a tricky one. What do you think? Where would you take him? Would you take him first round? 
No, I'd actually have him closer to the end of the second round, start of the third. Yeah. Um, I, I'd have him below all those guys and then even throw people like English, Steele, Miller. Um, there's, I think there's a fair few names ahead of him, um, as much as I do love him. Um, but, yeah, what do you think? With this sort of thing, you've got to look forward, like the next 10 years. So what position does he play? He's valuable now because he's a forward. Um, he probably won't be at the end of this year. So, um, yeah, he does – Slipped down. I was I was thinking, yeah, second round as well. Like he'd, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, if you if you're in the second round, if you want to take a forward, you want to pick one that's going to maintain their position for the next few years. But that said, like who does maintain their position? Maybe Dunkley. I don't really know. Like it's tricky. So, um, yeah, like yeah, second round because you just because the uncertainty of the position changes. I think go with the primo midfielders first because you know they're actually going to be playing the same role each year and you can expect consistent scoring um, from there, I think. Um, and then at the Potato Bake, who's a player no one is talking about that could be a good investment this year? For me, that's Kane Farrell. What do you reckon? Yeah, he's who I had down. Yeah. Um, him and, and I, again, I, the other one I had was Horn Francis. Not that people aren't talking about him, but I just think people are undervaluing him. Yeah. Um, you know, and throwing that, you're thinking that, yeah. Thinking, yeah, he's lost the plot after his year in, in North Melbourne, but yeah. I don't. But to, to, sorry, you go. There you go. You go. Uh, the one other thing that might be, I don't know if it's a good investment. Well, it might be a good investment just with the scarcity of forwards. I think Todd Marshall is just worth owning. Um, just because he can pop every now and then with a bag, and I think we saw two or two or three big hundreds last year. Um, he's a player that I'd just like to have on my bench because I think he's got a lot of talent going forward. He's a pretty versatile type forward. And he suits the modern game. Um, he's just one I'd love to have on my bench as a loophole option if possible. I think. I love that you said that. So we, with GDS, we we with Game Day Squad, we've got our peer to peer transfer market. So you can actually go in and obviously buy the cards and. Prices go up and down, and Toddy Marshall is someone I'm buying low at the moment, just because of that stream value he does have. Yeah. So in in our scoring, our forwards actually are rewarded a little bit more for kicking goals. So he is someone that is capable of kicking a bag, and has started over the last year to really sort of you know what kick got bags of five and six, yeah. which are really really helpful, particularly in a, a position that is quite limited. So yeah, I also am buying uh, Toddy Marshall cards and sticking them on my bench because <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to. I definitely want to stream him in for the right games. Absolutely. Oh well, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, anything you want to give a plug before you uh, we, you sign off? Uh, where can people find you on Twitter and where can people find Game Day Squad and all that? Yeah, of course. Matt, instead of me giving the plug, I might actually throw to yourself because <laughs> I can sit here and talk about Game Day Squad and you can check us out on all the different socials and what we're doing. But maybe yeah, have a chat about what you love about it so much. Um, yeah, because I think people might want to hear it from you more than from myself. Yeah, well, I think it's that kind of what gets you hooked is like that chance of, you know, so people that haven't played Ultimate Team and stuff before, you get packs and they're basically animations on your screen, but they're how you obtain players. You get like um, given a pack, you can either buy them or you can earn them or you get free ones, I think, each week just for logging in. Um, you open them up and you don't know who you're going to get and it's pretty exciting. But when you land like a big fish it's and you, know, you open up a pack and you see someone in there that averages 100 plus or you get one of those platinum or those diamond cards or whatever that come out is bloody exciting. So um, it adds that kind of um, chance, kind of surprise aspect to it. But uh, look, then you can kind of play in open leagues where you can kind of just have some monster sides where players are getting, you know, 1.4, 1.3 times the scores and stuff like that. But then you can play in the cap league as well um, where you kind of have to find your best combination of your cards as well. So it just kind of creates a unique um, aspect 
as opposed to just pure salary or pure average like your draft. It's just a completely new way to play. And um, I just like the uniqueness how, you know, if you own a card, that's your card. You know, it's not just that everyone else has that card. And some people have more valuable cards and some people have cards that earn more points and things like that. So, yeah, that, that kind of chance, that kind of excitement that you get when you open a packet coupled with the kind of unique way of playing and the kind of slightly different scoring system as well, which I think a lot of people would like, especially how you mentioned with forwards, um, get a bit more points and things like that. I think there's a lot to like about it. And I think fantasy players out there, if you haven't checked it out yet, get on board this year. I think they're going to love it. How's that? Was that a good plug? That's awesome. I'm getting you a job <laughs> in our marketing team. You've, you've nailed that. All right. So, well, yeah, the, the other thing I'd add is that, yeah, it is free to play. You can jump on and you get all the free packs for jumping in weeks. So, you know, if you do want to spend money on it, fantastic. But if you don't, we wanted to set it up so that, you know, anyone can jump on and play and, and enjoy it. So, yeah, please let me know how you, how you think. Find me on Twitter. Um, I don't know what my tag is. <laughs> I'm sure you'll tag me in the, the post when the video goes out. Yep. But, yeah, always always open for feedback because, like I said, we're, we're, pretty, um, we're pretty early on in the journey. And we just want to create an awesome fantasy um, experience for everyone. So Yeah, and I guess that's the um, thing. Like, There's going to be some big changes over the next few weeks and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, look out for that. And uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun platform if people get on board. So keep your eye out for it. All right, uh, that's a wrap. Uh, we've got a live show um, with DT Talk at the highway coming up. We're, we're on first. I guess we're the support band, I think you'd call it. So, um, yeah, and that's, a, that's an event uh, sponsored by Game Day Squad. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, we're um, we're getting everyone together. Um, love that you guys are, are keen on what we're doing. So yeah, it'd be awesome to get down to Adelaide. As an excuse for me to go down, and I was hoping I could tee it up with a, a port intro game, but <laughs> we've we've gone we've gone a week too late. But yeah. that's all right. Uh, now it'd be good to catch up with you here in Adelaide. So um, what's the date of that again? February twenty. 20- <laughs> 5th I'm going to say it's a Saturday something like that yeah it's a Saturday Uh, I know last Saturday in February (laughs) last Saturday in February February. Uh, look to the DT talk pages and stuff like that they'll have the dates up there as well Um, but yeah get around us on Facebook Instagram Twitter YouTube and TikTok at Keeper League Pod Uh, make sure you get around our sponsors Manscaped Uh, use Keeper 20 for 20% off and free shipping and also make sure if you want to support the podcast you sign up as a member also anyways uh, thanks Cal for coming on the show today and uh, we'll talk to you soon Thanks, Matt.